Hello, and welcome to 19 Hits the Dragon, the show about Dungeons and Dragons, tabletop RPGs, and uh, the vastness of nerd culture. I'm Mike Daniel, and I'm joined, as always, by Rob Mackey. How are you doing today, Rob? I'm doing all right, Mike. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. I'm actually really excited for this episode, probably as jazzed as you were to talk about AD&D 2nd Edition. I am very excited uh, for today's episode, because we're talking about Cyberpunk Red. Um, nice. But before that, you were telling me earlier, you've been... Uh, Having some some trouble slash fun with some some games that you've been playing on your own there. Yes, um, I have finally gotten around to uh, playing uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Nice, um, which had been on my radar since more or less since it came out. Really, um, I played uh, Curse of the Moon um, kind of a while ago as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Curse of the Moon being um, very much in the vein of Castlevania Three which is one of the more fun and also extremely fucking hard games I've ever played in my life. <laughs> For sure. Like, it is not. Like, listen, I know from hard I've beaten some of the, like, titans of NES hard. Mm-hmm. Not all, but some, certainly. Yeah. And Castlevania Three is, like, oof. That's some tough sledding. Curse of the Moon, though, is very doable. And so when I came around to Ritual of the Night... I had a certain expectation because I don't know, Mike, how much uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night have you played? I have played Symphony of the Night. So I had it on the PS3. uh, So several years ago now. Um, And um, I was in the process of playing it. And then my PS3 crashed and I lost all the save files on it. Uh, Same for that and Final Fantasy VI. It was a very, very sad day. Um, And I just never got back around to playing uh ritual or sorry uh castlevania there so yeah uh yes i'm so yeah i didn't realize that was from that same incident yeah yeah it was it was a dark day i I lost both of those save files i was pretty pissed about it to be honest yeah as i seem to recall every time i'm like hassling you and overselling final fantasy 6 at you you're like ah but my ps3 died yep 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 yeah maybe one day so yeah for sure so Symphony of the Night, it's a fun game. It's not too tough in the absolute sense, though. Mm-hmm. Certainly nothing close to Castlevania 3. So I'm just like, okay, this will be manageable. And I started playing Ritual of the Night. And it's really freaking hard. Like, <laughs> lots of dying. Yeah. Lots of dying. Especially to bosses, at least for... I gotta say, because I'm a good ways in now. Mm-hmm. And... um. Well, there's a few things to talk about. First, there's, like, dying hard. So, like, the earlier boss fights were just brutal. And, like, that they were giving me all sorts of problems. I had to really be um very deliberate in how I was, like, inputting controls, really. Okay, and yeah. Just really so, like, a Dark Souls about- level of uh, nah. control when it comes to fighting, maybe? You know, I haven't actually played Dark Souls, so maybe. (laughs) I never got around to it. It seems extremely up my alley, but I just, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, I've just never gotten around to it. eh. But anyway, um, 
So that was very tough. And now I'm kind of at a part where when I find bosses, they're much easier. But when I go into new areas, I just get splattered. <laughs> just, all right. Yeah, just getting hammered mm-hmm. right as soon as you go into a new new spot. So like the the base level enemies are a lot harder then? Or is it like platforming yeah. stuff? Or what's, what's going on there? Yeah, it's just the base enemies. There's no okay. real plat... I guess there's some platforming difficulty sometimes because you get like spikes and stuff. But again, mm-hmm. in the grand Metroidvania tradition, it's not like there's any like bottomless pits or anything. Right, right. Like that. Sometimes there's like lava pits or spike pits or things like that. And like those have been mostly manageable ish. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Um, but yeah, more increasingly more it's just like regular mook enemies that are just like (laughs) and you're hit for a lot and you're hit for a lot and this enemy is hard to hit itself (laughs) yeah and yeah it's just it's just tough and like save points you get all your health and magic back and when you save but they're kind of few and far between especially when you like are getting into some of these later areas mm, mm-hmm. there isn't necessarily a save point like close by once you enter at this point which is fun gotcha so that's the dying hard part <laughs> right. now the other hard part is uh i uh it, this didn't take me too long uh to like come to this realization but like I was soon in reminded. It's like, oh wow, it's been a while since I played a Metroidvania where I didn't know what I was doing. Oh, mm-hmm. like it's like I have to figure this out again. Oh shit! <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so. Yeah, I was yeah. just gonna say I've had kind of a similar feeling because I finally started playing Hollow Knight, um, mm, which is also nice. a Metroidvania and uh, uh, sort of uh famously difficult as well so uh yeah it's been it's been an interesting experience of like oh there's this huge sort of interconnected web of a world and i have no idea where anything is so let's uh let's figure this out yeah and then you get stuck and you're like well now what Mm -hmm. the first thing to do is figure out basically what's the actual force of the problem here right (laughs) what do you need exactly but thing with ritual of the night too is without spoiling too much uh suffice to say it's pretty good at like messing with and or subverting like metroidvania related expectations okay yeah yeah like yeah sometimes you have to reach in kind of deep into your like thought process to figure out what to where you should be poking around next Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i uh unfortunately last night I finally cracked and I looked something up. I had gotten a mm-hmm. quite a ways without doing it, and I was pretty pleased. But I just, I cracked and I'm ashamed. But, uh, <laughs> hey man, sometimes you hit that wall and you just gotta like you have no other resources for figuring problems out than looking to the internet. There's there's no shame in looking up a, like a strategy guide or whatever. So I know it's just like especially with like. Sometimes Breath of the Wild was this way too, where I just like, no, but the the game is like figuring it out, man. Like you gotta <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. you just kind of gotta get through it. And I did get through Breath of the Wild without, I looked up where shrines were. I never, ever, not once looked up possible solutions to shrines. Okay. 
Although yeah. sometimes I saw Sarah do them first, so you know. <laughs> that that happens. <laughs> that counts. That happens. Yeah. I was um, reading on TV tropes uh, regarding the first Zelda that, um, like, they designed it with the intention that you would like talk to your friends and ask how they figured stuff out. Basically, interesting. Like you weren't necessarily supposed to figure everything out by yourself. Right. Which right. I thought was weird. That is interesting. Anyway. So Cyberpunk. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> Taking anyway. us back to a game that was also uh, incepted in the 80s, uh, we have Cyberpunk, the tabletop RPG. And today we're specifically talking about Cyberpunk Red. Uh, it is the most recent edition of Cyberpunk, the tabletop role-playing game, um, designed and created by Mike Pondsmith and published by R. Talsorian Games. Uh, we talked a little bit about it in uh, episode one, but kind of got sidetracked and off topic. Uh, coming back to it today, uh, because the actual rule book has been released recently, and I've been gobbling it up, um, and I'm super jacked up about it. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk uh, about this uh, this game here today. Um, also, we, you know, we kind of looked at a different system than the usual Dungeons & Dragons 5e uh, last couple episodes, so we're kind of jumping off of that and uh, exploring a new system and one that that I personally am really jacked up about because I I like it a lot. Um, I also really just like the cyberpunk genre a lot because I'm I'm a big nerd. If, well, nerd for, for cyberpunk sure. especially. Um, I mean, it's a good genre, right? Yeah, absolutely. Neuromancer. Yes. Am I right? Fucking yeah, Neuromancer is so good. Um, all of William Gibson is actually, and, and actually I, I would like to take a second to kind of talk about the genre of cyberpunk and like, what is cyberpunk? Um, Cause it's a word that gets kind of thrown around a lot, but, uh, and especially now with like cyberpunk 2077 being sort of infamous at this point, uh, um, there, it's kind of a buzzword flying around. Right. But what does it actually mean? Um, so, the, uh, the genre of cyberpunk has a few kind of core principles to it, um, mostly being high tech and low life. So there are huge wealth gaps and the world is ruled by technology. The divide between the sprawling cities and the barren wastelands is just as huge as the divide between the slums and the corporate skyscrapers. Um, you know, there's this like uh, street level counterculture as a lot of the stories in cyberpunk are sort of told from like sort of the lower uh, class uh, looking up either. Well, either trying to punch up and get into that sort of corporate world or take down the corporate world as well. Um, that that class struggle is a huge theme uh that and like uh what's often called like transhumanism so these ideas of like what does it mean to be uh, a human versus like is you know can a machine be a human at what point when you're augmenting your body to to you know technological advancements do you lose your own humanity um those sorts of like themes uh, are very prevalent in uh in the cyberpunk genre um they're often like noirish stories uh, intrigue laden stories never really sure who you can trust or who's out to get you or who's just trying to get you know good by themselves and is willing to cut you loose at any time 
That's um, true. There's a lot of moral grayness. Exactly. A lot of the time. Yeah. In did, cyberpunk stories. Did I leave any anything out of kind of that a definition of the genre for you there, Rob? Anything that's key that to was cyberpunk? A pretty good overview, I would say. Cool. I would uh, say just kind of piggyback off of that because you know. As a philosophy major, <laughs> I believe that all gen- I believe that all genre is false, and we're just making thing labels up for things that we cannot determine qualities for. But I do think cyberpunk is actually one of the more specific ones. Mm-hmm. I think the um kind of class, the class angst element is very much one of the key features. I mm-hmm. think I was gonna say like kind of like um more class warfare element but it doesn't mm-hmm. always take that it doesn't always take that dimension right it's but not, not there, always a battle but the contrast is stark for sure yeah there are always haves and have nots there's always um nope there's always a mix of like high technology that we don't necessarily have these days but i guess mm-hmm. something to like make it a bit more recognizable like i think there are elements of like the um you mentioned kind of the idea of counterculture mm-hmm. and like those elements tend to resemble ones that we're like sort of familiar with in our own time you know for sure um i would also say um Almost all, again, almost all of the stories are like focusing on people on kind of the lower end of the social spectrum. I really, mm-hmm. not that my knowledge is absolute, but I really don't know of too many examples of like um, stories that are based around like, you know, the privileged of a cyberpunk universe, for, for sure. lack of a better term. Yeah. I really don't know of too many. And then there was the moral ambiguity thing, which we kind of touched on. And the one thing I kind of wanted to point out that um, I don't think you really mentioned, because this is something I've always perceived as part of it, is like, as opposed to like heroic fantasy or space opera or any of that stuff, Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem to me that many cyberpunk stories, the protagonists do anything like, earth shaking mm, yeah they never top they never topple the megacorps yep. they never like i don't know save the planet save the whatever like they just kind they always kind of scrape by unless they don't because they get killed or like right, right they complete they complete their like heist job and maybe they get screwed out of like their payment in full or in part and then mm-hmm. they're just kind of mm-hmm. on to the next one and yeah there's never um there isn't any like there's not really a like one or a group of a few against the whole colossus they're more kind of survival stories Mm -hmm. as it were for sure for sure yeah i think that's uh, something that is very key to the cyberpunk genre for sure Although we're saying all of these things and like there's one instance that kind of defies everything that we're talking about that to me is still very much a cyberpunk uh, story. And that is uh, Deus Ex, Mankind Divided and Human Revolution, those two most recent games in the series, because you play kind of a wealthy, I mean, not like super elite, but he definitely... uh, He's like a, a cop or a detective, right? And and also kind of a uh, mercenary at certain aspects as well. But anyway, the the character that you play as 
definitely like deals with a lot of the elite and the corporate uh, people, and he kind of has the ability to mix in with that crowd. I'm not sure that that's really his thing. Um, but he does also, like, you do also kind of end up changing the world in some aspects, too, in both of those games. So um, sure. I guess that there's it's yeah. the exception that proves the rule, right? So, yeah. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, I would also say, like, because Deckard and Blade Runner kind of, like, he mingles mm-hmm. a bit with the elite, and he is a sure. cop. For sure, right? yeah. But, I mean, that's different, though, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. What was my point? Um, but I, I think Fine. the the idea Fine. that a lot of it being sort of from the point of view of the street level people and just kind of interacting with the world and not saving the world, not changing the world, generally speaking, um, that is very, very key to the cyberpunk genre as well. Um, and you mentioned, you know, Blade Runner, just to throw out a couple other things that people might be familiar with that fit very solidly into cyberpunk. Blade Runner, of course, uh, Robocop. Tron, we mentioned Neuromancer and the Sprawl Trilogy, really everything that William Gibson touches can probably fit into the cyberpunk genre in some way or another. Um, Akira, Bubblegum Crisis, Ghost in the Shell for those anime fans out there, Um, Terminator, Shadowrun, which is another sort of uh, competitor to cyberpunk, the tabletop game in some ways. Um, And I also think like the Matrix in its own way is cyberpunk it kind of fits into it, it like almost dips its toes in there a little bit i don't know we can it, we could probably argue about that for an entire episode on if it is cyberpunk or not but it's okay. close enough i think at uh, the risk of derailing the episode and doing exactly that a uh, <laughs> couple things one i don't know how comfortable i am calling robocop cyberpunk as such okay um and I'm having a little trouble making a cogent argument as it as kind as it being something else, um, and it's not quite coming together right now. So, and again, we're not doing this all day, so maybe that's fine. Yeah, I don't consider RoboCop Cyberpunk as much. I think it has similar themes, but Fair it's enough. kind of different. Matrix is sort of a similar thing. Like it has a keenly felt cyberpunk influence, but again, Mm -hmm. it's very different. For sure. It's very different in the ultimate story that's being told because it's not, there's like this whole like man versus humans versus, sorry, I shouldn't have been gendered just there. I'm very sorry. I apologize. There's a whole humanity versus machines there Mm -hmm. thing going on. Mm -hmm. And there is the whole one versus the like, he's called the one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, yeah. Yeah. So, again, like, there's there are some things that are sort of gray about the cyberpunk genre, right? So, Robocop, like, I can understand why you wouldn't include it in cyberpunk. I think it's got enough of the themes for me that it fits. Um, but that's kind of my own um, judgment there, I guess. Uh, but anyway, so that's, like, those of you that are, are listening and maybe not familiar with cyberpunk as a genre, like, if any of those things stand out to you um those are all things that kind of fit into the cyberpunk genre or maybe just kind of fit partially in there as well and are heavily influenced by cyberpunk um so yeah that's that's kind of summing up what it means to be cyberpunk um which kind of brings us back to cyberpunk red the uh the tabletop rpg um so just a little bit of a background as i mentioned this is the most recent edition Uh, released here in 2020, Um, but it was initially released in 1988. Um, There was a 
second edition, second edition in quotes, they got released called Cyberpunk 2020, uh, which was released in 1990. And then uh, version 3.0, yeah, uh, sorry, version 3.0 was released in 2005. uh, So it was like third edition. Um, And then here we have the most recent edition, which is Cyberpunk Red. Um, so there, this is the first new edition since 3.0 then? Correct, yeah. So it's been cool. about 15 years since we've had uh, a new uh, game. And interestingly, I guess it was about 15 years from the release of uh, Cyberpunk 2020 to version 3.0. Um, so, Yeah, uh, that's a lot of time between like new systems, which I think is cool. Yeah, honestly, for but, sure. And yeah. I, I think that just kind of speaks to sort of the core of the system being something that works really well, um, which... Um, I, you know, I, I haven't played any of the older systems or really read through like the mechanics on them, but my understanding for, for red is that it is very much built on those previous systems as well. Um, so similar enough that, you know, if you're familiar with any of those and you pick up red, then yeah, it's, it's kind of old hat to you. Um, so yeah. Um, and, uh, as we mentioned, when we were talking about, um, second edition AD and D, you know, when it comes to learning a new system and kind of getting to know a new system, um, what I like to do personally is look at character creation, which is really sort of the bulk of, uh, the cyberpunk red core rulebook that was released. Um, there is also just to point out a few things like before you actually get into the character creation and what it means to play cyberpunk um, at the beginning of this book there's a lot of uh, lore around the setting of cyberpunk uh, the tabletop RPG uh, set in Night City and there's some history about Johnny Silverhand which is you know a character that shows up in 2077 as well um, so there's a, a lot of really cool stuff. We're not going to focus on that today just because we are talking more about like the mechanics of the game and what sort of the core of the game is. Um, and I also don't want to spoil any of that story stuff for you should you go out and buy this book, which you absolutely should because it's fantastic. Um, so, yeah, just to point out that it is there. That said, um, I... Um... I, um, so I started playing, um, my introduction really to cyberpunk as a genre mm-hmm. was Shadowrun mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. in the day, like in the late nineties. So like, I'm kind of already coming from a place of, especially to know that cyberpunk came first, like I'm kind of coming from a place of comparison already. Mm-hmm. And, um, at least I haven't, I'm not current on Shadowrun. I have, um, the fifth edition 20th anniversary book and i believe they're not not fifth at fourth i mean okay i believe they're now up to a sixth edition anyway okay so the book i was like from 10 years ago and Mm -hmm. in in terms of like a lot of the core book is lore there that's very similar right Mm -hmm. there's a Mm -hmm. lot there's and similar to the cyberpunk red book there's like breaks for short stories and things like that oh interesting so Which is kind of nice because they both they both share the like world building aspect. And also, I think they both kind of like um, there's an idea that there's the whole like, again, the kind of cyberpunky counterculture and like Mm -hmm. like street lingo, as it were, that they're trying to establish. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that is. Anyway, that that's all I got. Cool. Yeah. So just to kind of dive into talking about like cyberpunk red and what it means to 
create a character and be a person in in this game. Um, there's a really great breakdown before it goes into talking about the um, the the roles, which are like our the classes in this game. Um, it is, you know, just sort of a you know, I guess one page overview of. Uh, what it means to be a cyberpunk player. And there are four rules, uh, three of which are laid out in more detail on the fourth is just kind of mentioned. You'll see why in a second. Um, so the rules as uh, they appear here are number one, style over substance. Number two, attitude is everything. Number three, live on the edge. And then number four, break the rules. Um, so what does that mean, right? So style over substance Cyberpunk as a genre is something that has this, like, it has a very distinct look and feel to it. Um, and you as a character should sort of fit into that feel and look. You're, you have a certain, like, like flash or panache to your character and how, how your appearance sort of uh, explains a little bit about your character. Um, number two attitude is everything you have to be like a tough like chip on your shoulder at least a little bit kind of badass uh character here you know if you're gonna walk into a room full of you know these corporate solos full of like covered in guns and cybertech and shit you know you can't you gotta have some swagger about you right like you have to have that attitude to your character um and then you you live on the edge, uh, which that is you know you're you're taking risks, uh, you're you know making these gambles, things that could risk your life or serious injury. Um, there's actually a really great uh, sentence in here that sort of sums up the the nexus of Rule Three, which is um, as a cyberpunk, you want to be the action, start the rebellion, light the fire. And that to me is a that's a super powerful statement that just sort of sums up yeah. that whole the idea of live on the edge. Um, and then yeah, man, I yeah, I want to do like some crazy parkour shit right now <laughs> with guns and knives. Absolutely, <laughs> yes, indeed, it is great. Uh, and then rule number four, which requires no explanation, is just break the rules. Um, and and again, that kind of fits into the sort of the punk idea, right? This counterculture, right? We're not just going to be happy with the world as it is we're gonna fight back against it and we're gonna find our place in it and and get what's due to us uh and not worry about the rules for sure i think it's very what am i trying to say there's a very like old timey like 80s punk ethos to all of that oh, for sure. which I think is very like I think it's cool that it's like continued to carry over even though like a lot of the rest of like culture is kind of different now for lack of a better <laughs> like thing. There isn't for sure. there isn't like mm, I don't want to get too in the weeds here. Uh did you ever read the book uh Our Band Could Be Your Life? I have not read that. Okay. It's a, let's see, who wrote it? I have to look it up. Um, I'll get the author's name in a second here. But it's kind of a, it's a like, it's a chronicle of, um, I think, 11 different underground and or punk bands from the 80s and kind of their okay. um, 
influence on the um underground scene so black flag is one of them i think they're the first chapter um okay there's a sonic youth chapter there's a chapter on the replacements and who's screw doing stuff and one of the recurring themes of that is that they um is kind of just they all kind of were anti-establishment in various ways and mm-hmm. it's just kind of talking about the ways in which that sort of manifested and the way that influenced their kind of approach and i think that like these four cyberpunk rules then i think are very like it kind of rhymes with some of that mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. it's maybe not exactly the same but it rhymes for sure hang on yeah, and some of these uh, these rules here, like the style over substance, is something that um, was inspired by um, Hardwire, I think it's called. Uh, it's one of the main books that inspired Mike Pondsmith to come up with the cyberpunk tabletop RPG. Let me actually... While you're doing that, um, Our Band Could Be Your Life is a book by Michael Azerad. That's A-Z-E-R-R-A-D. And it's good, and it's a fun and interesting read, especially if you like any of the bands that are involved. And uh, yeah, comes recommended. Nice. It was Hardwired is the uh, the name of the book, and it was written by John Williams. Uh, and it is also kind of seen as a seminal um, cyberpunk novel in the same way that the Sprawl trilogy is, Neuromancer, uh, Count Zero, and Mona Lisa Overdrive by William Gibson. Um they are all very much like the pentacles of cyberpunk. So, yeah. Um, so some, a, a lot of th- uh, the things from that and some of the terminology, my understanding is anyway, I haven't read hardwired, but just my understanding is that um, a lot of the street slang and stuff kind of got pulled from hardwired uh, and bubblegum crisis and probably more than a little bit from uh, the sprawl trilogy as well. Um, so, yeah, just, uh, again, like the, all, all of these things sort of going back to this uh, sort of punk 80s uh, idea or um, zeitgeist that sort of led to uh, the cyberpunk genre. And those rules are kind of like the um, the core foundations to any cyberpunk character that you make. Um, so to kind of move us along a little bit here... I uh, just want to talk about the uh, the roles, which the the roles in this game are like your D and D classes, right? Um, they're in Cyberpunk, they're called roles. It's like the role that you play in the crew that you are part of here, in the the edge runners, as they are are known as well. Um, so the couple the uh, the roles that exist within Cyberpunk Red are as follows: uh, we have the rocker boy, who is um, sort of a you know a rock and roll rebel like they they are the punk rockers of the cyberpunk uh world uh there is a solo who are like assassins bodyguards they're kind of the combat um ready people uh they're you know always looking for a fight or they are you know the mercenaries uh the guns for hire stuff like that um then we have Netrunners, which is the uh, the hacker in the cyberpunk world. And in many ways, it's kind of like the wizard of the cyberpunk world as well, where they are kind of the ones that the, the role that has sort of the most rules and um, the abilities to affect things outside of themselves beyond just like doing combat. Um, then there is a tech or the tech. Uh, the tech is like a mechanic 
uh, an inventor and someone who can augment or uh, upgrade you know any sort of gear weapon re you know create uh, drones or build them things along those lines there um, and then sort of as a counter to that or to go alongside it is the med tech uh, which is kind of the uh, the healer the the doctor of the party uh, or of the crew um, they uh, are the ones that have the ability to like perform surgery and attach new cyberware and uh, they can also like give you therapy and stuff like that as well which is a mechanic that is built into the game which we'll get into here in just a little bit as well uh, or maybe next episode who, who knows when we'll be able to touch on that um, up next though is the uh, the media which is like a reporter essentially you can be like a blogger uh a, you know an influencer like you're on instagram uh all kinds of stuff there like some way you are gathering information and trying to influence society with that by putting it out there for people to consume um, wait uh sidebar question yeah. do we think uh sean evans then is he a rocker boy or is he a media in real life oh that's a good question i would say probably a media to be yeah, yeah. i suppose he would have to be i just had that thought it hit Maybe me like he, a bolt of light he could he could be multi-class as well hmm. he could be multi-class which is an option too um but yeah so there's there's that uh as the medias and then up next is the execs which are sort of the corporate blackies, for lack of a better word. Like you start off kind of low on the totem pole and have the ability to work your way up in the corporation. Um, there are lawmen who are, that's exactly what it sounds like. They are uh, law enforcers. Uh, if you want to think like like Dudge, Judge Dredd, uh, Dudge Dredd, Judge Dredd uh, would be a very solid lawman character to, uh, to create there. Um, Next is the uh, the fixers who are kind of the deal makers and organizers, um, you know, people who get other people, the, the jobs or the missions that they go on. They organize uh, sort of these. Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a black market get together. It's called the night market um, on the street here in cyberpunk. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of their role to be sort of the middleman and make everything happen. Uh, and then lastly is the nomad who are kind of like road warriors and pirates. Um, they get the, the ability to drive cars uh, basically and get some additional stuff uh, that goes alongside uh, being able to do that. Um, so those are the roles. And uh, aside from that, the sort of like, um, what would you say, like the those characteristics that make them all unique. They also have these role abilities that make them all unique as well, um, which we'll, we'll get into here in a little bit more uh, depth in just a little while, but essentially each role has this ability that is a unique thing that they can do um, that is unique to their class. Um, and it's something that you get, you know, right away as you're creating your character and you just get better at it. Um, so some, something that's kind of interesting about sort of the uh, the build of Cyberpunk as a system is that there isn't really like leveling up. So like as you, you know, do things as your character, you don't like advance to like, oh, I'm a level one rocker boy. Now I'm a level two rocker boy. Like that's not really how the game works. Um, you have these abilities and they improve as you 
do things and, and spend the, what's called like your improvement points, which are kind of like experience points. Um, and you can rank up in that, but you're also able to spend those kind of however you like to adjust your character and get better at different skills and stuff. Um, so yeah, again, there's not like levels to these roles per se, but you can get better at this unique thing for you, which is called the role ability. Um, yeah. I feel like I was surprised for five minutes straight about the characters there. So yeah. no, no, it's okay. You're <laughs> good. You are, you are the expert. I am kind of, um, just to give some context to our listeners, Mike has been immersing himself in cyberpunk red for, I don't know. I would say a few months now. Uh, Something yeah. I mean, order. I got into the uh, the jump starter kit over the summer, actually, um, oh. and yeah, so, have been dabbling in it. And then once the book came out, sort of dove into it. So, yeah. so he's been at it for a while. I learned this. I learned all this stuff literally a week ago. So <laughs> my, um, as I was saying to Mike in our one of our pre-production meetings, I feel like the uh, Jello that is the cyberpunk system has not quite set in my brain just quite. <laughs> I was, I was surprised though to learn that. Um, it does have um, their um, discrete classes, basically. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I did not expect that necessarily, um, but I think it it is done in a very like, like it's done in a streamlined way, certainly. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I was kind of like, no, if you're a net runner, like you get an interface rating, and if you're not, you can't just have an interface rating, basically. Right. I would I kind of wasn't expecting that mm-hmm. I would say and again I hate uh, okay I have to I hate to do it this way but part of that is again because I like learned playing Shadowrun mm. way back in the day which again can't speak to sixth edition what they're doing now but um historically like they kind of have archetypes and you want to specialize in something but you can build your character however you want basically gotcha you don't you don't you aren't necessarily like Mm -hmm. you don't have to like pick any class or role and then adhere to that yeah um but i do like how this is done yeah interesting that you say that because i feel like there's there's kind of both of those things in cyberpunk red where there are distinct uh classes or roles and they have some unique things about them um but it's also possible to make a character that kind of dips their toes into you know whatever it is like you have this specialization but then apart from that you can kind of build the character however you want um that's true yeah and like part of that is influenced by again um i've been doing this for a week and when I made myself a net runner. I was just like there. It goes through this whole thing and it's very nicely. Um, I'm sure Mike is planning to get to this in a bit. Yep. So spoiler alert for later, <laughs> but they have very, they have very nice charts. I was like, well, pick this now pick this and here are some skills. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. And you're good to go. And that was good enough for me at the time. I didn't really engage too much with, I didn't note that they were actual like build it yourself rules, but I didn't really engage with them. Until. Yeah, for sure. So that, that, I mean, that is this is as good a place as any to uh, talk about that. Uh, there are basically three forms of character creation in cyberpunk red, um, which I'll, I'll just kind of go over uh, briefly and then explain in uh, how they impact your character build as we go along. Um, but there are, yeah, there are three forms. The first is the street rat, uh, which is like a template 
Um, there is the edge runner, which is kind of using the template, but kind of making some, some choices on your own as well. And then there is the complete package, which is literally just like you're, you've got free reign, you get X amount of points for skills and X amount of money that you can spend and then go and build the character however you like, essentially. Um, so yeah, there are those three sort of ways, like one is very stringent and you just use this template and you get these things. And then the edge runner is you kind of pick and choose and roll some dice and kind of, um, you know, customize it a little bit as you go. And then there's the complete package where you're just kind of customizing everything um, as you're going along. Got it. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, we've talked a little bit about the roles and kind of the ways of building uh, characters. So let's kind of get into how you start building a character. So actually, once you've picked your role, um, the next thing that you want to go over is your life path, which the life path um, sort of mechanics here are something that I really enjoy about Cyberpunk uh, is because in a, in a lot of tabletop RPGs, RPGs, um, you know, who, who your character is like the core of your, your person is kind of something that you get to decide on your own. Um, and there's not really anything about that that's necessarily going to influence the game. Right. Um, fifth edition has it a little bit with like the personality traits and bonds and flaws and stuff, but you know, that's, that's going to impact certain aspects of your character, but it's not going to fundamentally like impact the campaign that you're playing in unless your DM sort of decides to. And, and I guess cyberpunk has a little bit of that as well. Like if the, the DM or the GM decides to ignore all of that, um, it's, it's not as uh, impactful in the story. Um, but it, it's the, the life path here is the second step in building your character. So you decide what sort of role you are, and then you figure out who the fuck this person is that you're playing. Um, and it, it gets pretty deep, like your, um, like sort of your cultural origin is the starting point, but then like, how do you view other people? What sort of style do you have? Um, what's something like that's really important to you like an i you know personal affectation that's really important to you what are your values how do you feel about other people um who are the important people in your life is there an important possession in your life talk about your your background and sort of where you came from what that life was like for you um your childhood environment and how that impacted you and who you are now um as well as like your relationships you know you have friendships you can have enemies you can have lovers and there are rules for kind of how to uh like roll on these charts essentially to figure out um what um what pieces of all of these things impact your character and and for most of them it's like you can either roll on these charts or you can choose right so you're you're kind of reading through all of these options or making your own and, and you're really figuring out, like, who the core of this person is that you're building. Um, and just the, the level of depth that it goes into in character creation as far as, like, from a personality and background standpoint um, and how much that can affect the game that you're playing is something that's really unique to me and really kick-ass to me personally. Um, 
when it comes yeah. to like an RPG because like it's it's a role playing game, right? <laughs> like you're playing this For role sure. and you are figuring out who this person is. So and I think yeah. the thing as well with um this um much baked in like um personality detailing and I mean again it's not detailing as much because these are all pretty kind of straightforward things right they're it's like br- there's one or two broadly construed yeah points. yeah 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 and um but even so i think so on a meta level when you're designing i think not that i've like designed a bunch of tabletop systems or anything or you know <laughs> any but i think the goal ultimately is to like you want something that plays in the way that like the fiction kind of works Mm -hmm. does that make sense Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. you want like if you're making is if you're making a cyberpunk game you want to have some like cyberpunk elements um baked into it and i think this does a good job of doing that because now um you have if there's intrigue you have stuff that can be used against you Mm -hmm. if there's um kind of an anti-hero-ness you maybe have some stuff that is like you maybe aren't super proud of or maybe you are and you're just kind of an asshole or right. maybe you're you don't necessarily trust even your own teammates in a way that like you know if you're playing like D, say you're kind of trying skirt past and hand wave right these are all parts of kind of um uh cyberpunk the fiction and so it's kind of nice to see them reflected in the game in a way that makes sense yeah absolutely um, and just as a uh, point uh, of order after all of that, there are some role-specific life paths as well. So things that are going to be unique to the role that you've chosen and how you are choosing to build that role as well. So not just like who you are, but how your sort of archetype is uh, unique to itself as well. Um, so, yeah, just wanted to point that out as well. And then, yeah, from there, we kind of talk, let's see, we went through the life path. Oh, yeah, so up next is stats, um, which I I know we went into very granular detail um, in uh, our AD&D episodes talking about the the abilities. And and I don't want to spend as much time on that here, but I do want to kind of point out a few uh, things here, mostly just kind of give an overview on the stats uh, and what each of them sort of means. I mean, hopefully um, we shouldn't have to, right? Yeah. I mean, part of the thing when we were talking about <laughs> yeah, AD&D was absolutely. like, again, like when I first came up with the idea, it's like, let's gawk at this weird shit. And like, it didn't take too much convincing, especially from Hannah to kind of be like, well, maybe be a bit more positive. <laughs> and so we did that. But how yeah. do you fucking, how do you fucking get into like, uh, fucking some of that weird stuff yeah oh my god absolutely. why are we thinking why yeah. am i talking about this anyway mo- there's two kinds on. of reaction adjustment and they mean two <laughs> totally different things <laughs> yes uh, nothing quite so okay, complex here um and, and the thing about cyberpunk as we'll get into uh as we're talking here is that it there are a lot of rules it is very rules heavy but it, it all makes a lot of sense and everything sort of flows together pretty nicely there's just a lot of rules for like every single corner case essentially Um, yeah that's what that was what struck me as well about the system is it's rules heavy in the sense that there are lots of individual rules right but they all like they are all kind of bound together by a pretty singular mechanic yeah absolutely 
Um, so yeah, just to kind of jump into it here, um, your your stats, uh, you know, your like your ability scores in D and D, that's what your stats are here in Cyberpunk. Um, so you have kind of they, they put them into groupings, which I like. So there's the mental group, which is um, intelligence, willpower, uh, cool, and empathy. So intelligence is like how you know generally bright you are, how smart you are. Uh, willpower is sort of determination and your ability to sort of uh, stay strong in the face of things like your concentration is tied to willpower stuff like that um, cool is like your ability to impress and influence people and manipulate people it's like your your charisma essentially right um, uh, but then there's empathy which is you know your ability to relate to other people um, something that's going to come into play later when we start talking about like cybernetics and uh, cyberware and adding all of those and, and humanity uh, is it like this is a core mechanic of the game as well. Like we talked about, you know, I mentioned that the sort of transhumanism is a major theme in cyberpunk as a genre. And it's like it's kind of at the heart of the mechanics here when it comes to, you know, your character and your empathy and your ability to take on cyberware and stuff like that as well. Um, so yeah, those are the mental stats. Uh, the combat grouping of stats is uh, technique and reflexes. Technique is like how you can manipulate tools um, and instruments, stuff like that. Um, reflexes is more about like your coordination, uh, timing, and uh, when you're using like aiming, throwing, etc. So those are kind of like some of the, the core combat uh, stats there. Uh, then you have fortune group, which is just luck. Um, and luck is a really cool mechanic. It basically your luck stat, you have that much luck to spend each session that you play and you can add your luck points to any particular role that you make to add a plus one for each point of luck that you uh, spend on that role. Um, and then you get all of those luck points back at the beginning of next session so if your luck is like a seven let's say then you have seven points that you can spend to add two rolls at any point in a single session then you get all seven points back at the beginning of the next session um, again a really cool mechanic and i think uh you know it, when it comes to like being flashy and having this sort of like uh rule of cool type thing going on for it as far as like the uh, the feel of cyberpunk just having this mechanic where you can just spend points to make yourself inherently better at things and luckier at things um is really cool to see sort of built into uh you know who this character is and who 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 you are and the core mechanics of the game there um yeah, and then last couple, the last couple stats is the physical group. Um, body is your size, your toughness. It's kind of related to your health as well, which we'll get get to here in just a little bit. Um, and then dexterity is like your uh, physical competence. Um, you know, sim similar to dexterity in D and D, where it can influence like how well you have balance, and um, but it also does influence combat. Um, you know, if you're trying to build like a gymnast character, you want to have good dexterity, stuff like that. Um, and then the last one is your move, um, which is basically just your speed, um, to kind of cover it quickly. You know, all of the distances in, um, cyberpunk are either in meters or yards. So however you're playing, um, your movement score 
is um, like you can move a number of yards or meters equal to twice your movement speed. Um, and I did think that was neat that they were just like, uh, we use meters and yards interchangeably because come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. That was nice of them. I appreciated yep. that very much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're like, we don't want just people using the uh, Imperial system here. So let's figure out a way to make it the metric system as well. Um, and, you know, meters and yards are like close enough that you can kind of fudge it when it comes to a game. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so those are the stats. I know I just kind of blew through those, Rob. Did that all make sense to you as I was reading through? Anything you feel like highlighting from that? Um, I think the main thing is that they're kind of um, all-encompassing, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, they complete, they, um, as opposed to, um, I guess, D&D &D where stuff is a bit more, like, cordoned. You have your ability scores, and in 5th edition, basically everything derives from them, but, mm -hmm. like, you still have stuff that's kind of cordoned off, like your initiative, say, and, like, your speed is a different thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, it's like, you have a lot of stats, but they're going, but, like, everything about your character that's quantified, that falls under this. Right. Just the whole, the whole shebang. Yeah. So... That's kind of neat. Um, I think it, uh, yeah, and I like I like that the charisma again, if if uh, with in a style over substance uh, environment, and I'm very pleased that I said that right because I was like, you're gonna screw it up. You're gonna say substance <laughs> over style, and it's gonna be terrible. So I'm glad I got that right. Yeah, I think it's highly appropriate for the like. Um, just uh yeah what i would consider like the charisma stat to be called cool yeah i think that makes a lot of sense absolutely absolutely it's kind of neat um yeah. so yeah so we talked about like what the stats are and as far as like how you get your stats i think is pretty interesting as well um because again it kind of breaks down to those three core options um again the the street rat being sort of a template so in the book there are these tables that are unique to each role so if you are let's say um you know a solo here you go to the page that has the solo on it for the street rat you get to roll a d10 and whatever you roll on that d10 you just choose that stat line from the table um, and that's how you choose your your stats if you're using just the the template or the street rat method um, now, if you're using what's called the edge runner, which is kind of the fast and loose version, you're doing something similar, but you're doing that for each individual stat. So you're rolling a D10 for your intelligence, reflex, dexterity, tech, etc. And each um, each roll on your D10, you choose from that line for that stat. Uh, so rather than just choosing, you know, one stat line straight across, you're going you're kind of going rolling the dice for each stat essentially um, but you're not you're like rolling a d10 and that is your stat you're rolling a d10 and whatever the the number is on the chart for that stat that's what you get for that stat um, it's sure. a little confusing it's kind if you're of not looking at it but uh yeah i think it was kind of neat because um basically like they you have the two methods but they share the same tables yeah. basically yeah absolutely which is very which is a neat little trick that they pulled off mm -hmm. i think yeah absolutely um, 
some of the design yeah. aspects of the, the the book itself are really fantastic. Um, it, it's laid it's, out it's in a true. strange way, but once you sort of get it, then it all makes sense. <laughs> which is with an great. yeah so. with an exception which if we get to today i'm going to be like now just a second yeah, here what is this yeah but yeah for sure there's we'll there's some things that there. don't uh, quite flow as well as others but overall really interesting design to the book really interesting layout it kind of takes a second to wrap your head around but once you get it it, it for the most part makes a weird kind of sense um, for sure and i think this is kind of um i think it's a bit common for um non D like um systems to kind of be laid out this way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. especially ones that like assuming it's not like kind of a generic system like something like a gurps or a fade or something right where you could tell a variety of stories with it like i think it's kind of like you kind of want to be in like the headspace of the world being presented here before like you figure out all the rules and stuff for sure and make and especially certainly before you make any decisions right mm-hmm. so i think it's uh, both appropriate and cool and good that's three things <laughs> it's both of those three things <laughs> yes. yeah um and just to touch on the complete package uh way of creating your character getting your stats here um basically you get a pool of stat points that you can spend um which is 62 normally uh for starting a character and you just sort of spend those points on your stats um basically no stat can be higher than eight or lower than two and you just kind of uh get to um you know this you decide where the rest of those points go essentially um so yeah uh, that's kind of the complete package. It, it's sort of a point by system, more or less, um, where you just sort of you get a currency or an, a you know an amount of these points that you can spend on your stats. There, um, it's so, true, but yeah. it's yeah, you're not so much like buying them, I guess, as like assigning them. Yeah, there's yeah. no like there's no real opportunity cost to like increasing it. Well, I guess there is like. I should shut up. There's definitely an opportunity <laughs> no, cost good, to man. like making one stat higher than another, right? Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's kind of a different way of thinking about it, and like, for sure, I think because a lot of yeah, it depends on the point buy, I guess. Yeah. Not that I give a shit because point buys. Mm. <laughs> Actually, for something for something like this, I don't think I don't, I have less of a problem with it. It's only for D and D and its variants where I'm just mm. like, no, mm-hmm. you must roll your damn stats. Anyway. <laughs> I'll stop. For sure. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I said the uh, the starting um, amount of points that you get is six sixty two. That is kind of the um, like the uh, it suggested starting place for that. Um, there's a lot of really great like flavor text in this book here, where it's like you know we recommend to the GMs that you assign. Um, you know, the starting character uh, amount here, stat points uh, at 62. Um, but if you want to do something else, then, hey, it's your funeral. <laughs> yeah. I, I like this idea. So <clears throat> just to take uh, our listeners a bit further behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. So there are the five ranks for these points. You have, I'm going to go in descending order. 
Major Hero, where you get 80 freaking points, mm-hmm. which is too many. Mm-hmm. So you can just have eights across the board, which, what? <laughs> yeah. Minor Hero is just 75. Major Supporting Character, and then Starting Character, that's second from bottom. And then below that is Minor Supporting Character, which has kind of grabbed hold of my imagination, because, like... What if you could play the like um nervous like techie guy who like the rest <laughs> the main party like yeah. hits up every so often when they need him? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, He's, in like a guest starring role or right, something. You're it's like a little wimpy, but you're re- maybe really good at one thing. Yeah. Or just like maybe on a like meta level, like you can't make most some or even you can't make all or even like most of the games. So like mm. you're kind of, that's kind of where my brain went to. Although that's mean. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like, Oh, you can't make the game due to circumstances beyond your control and or <laughs> so like, you get other more important stuff. So, so you're gonna suck. <laughs> that's Suffer. Really mean. Uh, Suffer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that, that, that's kind of the uh, an overview on stats and how you get them. A couple of things that are stat-related uh, that are pretty important as well is your hit points, which there is a kind of a convoluted way for building or figuring out what your hit points are. It's basically 10 plus uh, 5 times your body and will averaged rounding up. And even the the book is like, there's a lot of math involved in that. So instead of making you do all this math, here's a nice chart. <laughs> um, so it gives you this chart to look over, like, you know, your body score is here and your will score is here. And you find where on the matrix you're, those two combined and that's what your, your HP is. Uh, congratulations, we did all of this math for you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. For sure. That was nice of them. Yes, indeed. I want to be able to say I can still do this kind of math, but I'm not sure that I can. Oh, yeah, I can. Yeah, it's it's not super complicated, but it's more it's than not. most people would probably care to do to figure out what their hit points are. So they gave That's us fair. this nice chart, and it's it's very nice. It is very nice. Yeah. Very readable charts, by the way. Nice, strong yeah. lines on these guys. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially since we were just previously looking at the AD and D books where they are Jesus. Not that. Just fucking like clusters <laughs> of like blue and white. No, that's yep. the 89 pressing. And oh my God, I have to stop talking about this. <laughs> Sorry, I'm the one that keeps bringing it up. So I don't. No, no, no. It's okay. It, it sticks with you <laughs> for yeah. reasons. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then the, the next but everything's thing. Clear. I'm sorry, God. God. I was just saying everything's clear and readable and like well high. It's either like strong lines separating things or like clear colored lines, mm-hmm. and I appreciate it. Yes, it's very nice. Um, and then the next thing that's kind of stat related uh, is your humanity, uh, which this goes back to the empathy that I mentioned earlier, kind of being a a core principle of your how how human you are. Um, basically, your your empathy or your humanity starts off as equal to your empathy score times ten. So, if you have an empathy of five, then you have fifty humanity. Um, this comes into play later when we start getting like cyberware and stuff, and you can lose humanity, and that affects what your empathy score is as well. Um, which we'll probably end up talking about the ramifications of all of that in like a second episode, but. 
your your stats here, your empathy and your humanity are both very key in making sure that you are uh, at least somewhat of a stable human being. <laughs> um, and you can, like, as your empathy and your humanity get lower and lower, your character should start taking on these, um, like, literally psychopathic uh, characteristics. Um, and we'll we'll yeah. get into that later, but it, it is a thing, so... It is. As somebody who made a Netrunner and who therefore is, like, I'm kind of starting, that's kind of a significant handicap to my starting humanity right there, hmm. basically, because I need cyberware to jack in and out and stuff and all that. Um, Yeah, I ended up reading about cyberpsychosis and who boy. All right. Yep. Yeah. Super yep, special. Yep. It's great. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, yeah. There's there's a lot to get into there, and we're, we've already been talking for like almost an oh, over an hour at this point about most of this. So yeah, uh, yeah. We'll probably have to dive into that in uh, a future episode. Um, but the the next thing that I do want to talk about, and and honestly, like the next three chapters, we can kind of gloss over a little bit just because there's just a lot, uh, and I don't want to go into super granular detail and it gets very granular um so the next thing that's coming up is your skills um and these skills like anyone who's played a tabletop rpg is familiar with what skills are you get points to do things with and they your skills are like specific things that you're good at and that you spend your points on um basically they are broken down into some categories there are nine categories of um, awareness skills, which how aware you of your environment, your body skills, which are like in physical tasks, uh, control skills involving like controlling vehicles, uh, riding and wrangling animals, stuff like that. Uh, education skills, which are your knowledge and training based skills, fighting skills, obviously combat. This is mostly referring to like hand to hand and melee weapon uh, fighting performance skills which is like you know acting playing instruments uh, etc any sort of stagecraft involved in performance uh, ranged weapons which is again like fighting but specifically for ranged weapons guns bows uh, etc then your social skills is like you're you know talking to npcs blending into the crowd uh, etc then uh, technique skills which are uh, you're trained like vocational skills craftsmanship stuff like that and and sorry go ahead no you got no i was just gonna say like those are kind of the categories of skills and then each category is broken down even further there are tons of skills here like even more than fucking 3.5 D, &D yeah. which has a lot of skills already but there are even more here that you can choose to put your points into that's true but here is where I must, I got a freaking bone to pick with how this is laid out. Yep, yep. Because all the skill rolls are the base stat plus your skill plus your D10. Mm -hmm. And so why aren't they grouped by the base stat? Yeah, yeah. Come on. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, I, know, I, like I, I hate to be like kind of a baby about this, mm -hmm. but I feel compelled to because I'm like, just no, just group them by the base stat the base stat yeah. is like it determines all it is the fountainhead of like <laughs> how this stuff works just yeah. arrange it like that i know yeah 
Yeah. Also, there are a lot of skills, though. That said, there are a lot of skills, though, but I didn't find... And, like, I kind of... I've been kind of um, skimming this section more than anything else. I'm not mm-hmm. seeing too much that doesn't... Um, isn't pretty self-explanatory for sure although special shout out to the accounting skill which is um the skill for like cooking the books explicitly <laughs> yes <laughs> which i appreciate i think that's very on point yeah again absolutely. for the cyberpunk genre absolutely. you gotta be you gotta be like stealing somehow mm-hmm. that's yeah Otherwise, you're not any good at what? Who just accounts like normal? Like, <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm an accountant in this or a tabletop RPG that we're playing. It's not yeah, yeah. offices and bosses. I would be fun to just basically be Ben Wyatt in this <laughs> game, though. And you don't, yeah. It, it's about the cones. It's about the cones, man. <laughs> Could a depressed person do this? No, man. Ben Wyatt uh, gets more de- done in a like week of being depressed than I do in like a month of feeling good about myself. Uh, may we all aspire to be Ben Wyatt. We should all aspire to be Ben Wyatt. Uh, I'm not sure if I could be compelled to give. I mean, nothing against letters of to Cleo. They seem fine, but like, mm, I don't know. yeah. I'm too old to like become a super fan of anything else is what I'm trying to get at. Fair, fair. Uh, yeah, yeah, so back to cyberpunk and skills. Um, basically, just to kind of touch on the uh, the three ways that you get your skills, the street rat template, it's very laid out. It's like you're this role, so here are all the sc- skills that you have and here are all the points that you have for each of those skills. Uh, for edge runner is a little bit more fast and loose. It's like you're, you got these skills for your role, and you decide how many points you put um, into e- each of those um, skills. Basically, you start with 86 points. Um, no skill can be higher than six or lower than two. Um, there's a nice little like hot tip here where you have. Um, 20 different skills and they give you 86 points so if you put you know four points into everything then you have six points kind of left over to divvy up and figure out you know what you're better at than that um which is kind of what i ended up doing when i built my netrunner uh character i used the edge runner method just kind of put four points into everything that i was given and went back and figured out what i was going to be good at and made some adjustments uh from there so it's a nice little like quick tip to you know divide those numbers up somewhat evenly or in a way that is you know conducive and then there's the complete complete package which um again you get 86 skill points but you get to pick what skills you get uh and there's a cost for you know each uh like you're putting that many points into uh the skills and uh you basically like you don't have any skills that you are limited to other than you know what you can put points into essentially yeah Um, so i'm having a little trouble i don't quite get the difference between the edge runner um um skill system and the complete package skill system Mm -hmm. except that edge runner it seems like you have some that like so quote from the book following skills must be at least level two 
list of skills that must be at least level two. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. complete package doesn't have that. Is that right? No, or... the complete package has that as well. Uh, well, so the the edge runner there are with both of these uh, there are certain skills that like everyone gets. Um, and then there are certain skills in Edge Runner for the roles that only, or like maybe not only, but you know, everyone gets these certain skills, which are athletics, brawling, concentration, conversation, uh, education, evasion, first aid, human perception, language, local expert, perception, persuasion, and stealth. So those skills, everybody has at least some points in them. And then there are additional skills that are somewhat unique to each individual role um, with the edge runner thing. However, with the complete package, you get to choose which other skills you uh, put points into beyond just those basic skills that everybody has. Does that make sense? Uh, sorta, <laughs> kinda, sorta. I'm um. Yeah, it's it's a little goofy because it seems like a lot of the I'm having I'm just kind of doing a comparison of the edge runner like skill charts mm-hmm. for each role. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I, I am seeing differences now that I'm looking at it a bit more um comparatively directly, but mm-hmm. hang on a second. Yeah, it's basically if you're looking at the charts and if you have the book, like the basic skills that everyone gets are bolded. Um, and then the ones that are somewhat more unique to your role are not bolded in the chart there. Okay, got it. So oh, okay, those, got it. those skills that are bolded, those are the same skills that the complete package has to put at least two points into as well. And then you get to choose everything else that you're putting skill points into from there. Got rather it. than those ones okay. that are suggested or you know described for your role. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And there's a lot of overlap between different classes. Like every, you know, a lot of people are going to have handguns. A lot of people are going to have melee weapon, stuff like that. But not everyone is going to have, you know, the cybertech skill or the cryptology or, um, you know, deduction, which is the med tech thing that they are pretty much the only one that has that on the, uh, oh, well, in the media as well, I guess, and lawmen. Okay. I'm seeing it a couple of times now that I'm actually looking. Um, but not everyone is going to have every <laughs> Funny single how one of those skills, works. essentially, is, yeah. is the point. So, yeah. Yeah. My uh, favorite skill is library search. <laughs> yes. Hell yeah. Hey, it's, it's important to be able to search through the library uh, in a it's timely true. fashion. Everyone knows that mm-hmm. it's difficult as fuck to actually do. <laughs> it can, yes, definitely. Yeah. Especially uh, for research material, yeah. Especially yeah. for esoteric research materials, for sure. Anyway, uh, yeah. So then the the next like couple of things up here um, are all going to be kind of grouped together for us or for me anyway, and that's essentially like weapons, armor, and your gear, your outfit, um, any additional items that you're sort of given or can buy, um, and like there are descriptions for everything. I don't want to go into too much detail again, because we've already talked about a, a lot in depth here and there's uh, you know, we're going kind of long already. Um, but essentially when it comes to like weapons, um, they do some interesting things where they break down weapons sort of by type. So for both melee and uh, ranged weapons, there are 
you know, light weapons, medium weapons, heavy weapons, and very heavy weapons. And each of those uh, types have their own set of uh, stats for them, like their damage, how many times you can use them in a round, um, can it be concealed, and what's the cost. Um, and those are all unique for each type of weapon. And then for each type of weapon, they give you some suggestions on like what a light melee weapon might look like versus a you know a very heavy melee weapon. Um, but other than that, you can kind of choose. And when you're putting together your character, like you can buy a very heavy melee weapon for 500 bucks and you get to decide what sort of weapon you've bought versus like D&D where you get, you know, these type of weapons and there are different damage amounts for each individual weapon. They all have a different die that they roll. It's not anything like that here. It's, you know, light weapons get 1d6 Medium weapons do 2d6 damage, heavy weapons do 3d6, very heavy do 4d6. So it all just sort of fits together nicely, and then you get to decide on what the sort of flavor, more or less, of your uh, weapon is that you've chosen. Um, and there are I some... think that's very nice. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I just think it's very nice. Like, yeah. you can kind of, like, it gives you kind of that uh, ability to, like, within reason kind of like be like oh this is um like you can make your weapons kind of your own i guess to yeah. an extent but they all run by the same rules so it's fine exactly yeah and there's yeah. uh you, you get to kind of decide what it is that that you're you're geared up with um and add your own personal flair to that which is pretty cool um there are some like unique instances of what are like the exotic weapons uh, which is a whole different chart that doesn't sort of fit into um, everything else neatly, but it's basically ways of uh, altering the already existing um, light, medium, heavy, very heavy weapons there. Um, they just do like a different type of damage, or maybe it's like this is a shocking thing, or this does fire, or you know, sets people on fire, etc. Et or um, the microwaver, very heavy pistol that can shut down cyberware and carried electronics. Yeah. A plus. I'm into it. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, yeah there's some, anyway. some uh, unique stuff in there. And um, um, and then armor yeah. sort of works the same way, although not quite. Like, there's a list of armor, and there's uh, um, different types, which we'll get into a little bit more at probably next episode as we start talking about, like, how fighting works and how damage works and stuff like that. But essentially, there is a... You know, a chart here um, of the different types of armor that you can get and small little descriptions for them. And it tells you, like, what the bonuses are for each thing, um, what they cost. Um, and that sort of brings us back to, like, how do you decide what your stuff is, like, what gear you get. Um, and for the for the Street Rat and the Edge Runner, at this point, the two uh, character creation methods sort of merge, um, where you're just getting these charts that list all the stuff that you get for your role and that's just what you get um, and then you get some additional currency as well that you can spend on other gear you know once you kind of put your your outfit together um, and that sort of works the same for um your all, all, all of your gear your weapons your armor like what your outfit looks like all of that stuff all, all sort of fits together in in the same way essentially 
for both of those character creation methods. And then for the complete package, basically you are given uh, an amount of currency and you can pick your own stuff from all of those lists. Um, so you're, again, you're getting to customize your character a lot more with the complete package there. For sure. Cool. Sort of uh, not, sorry, not recommended for beginners, I would say. Yeah, definitely not. There's there's a lot to kind of parse through. Um, and if you're new to the system, either the Street Rat or the Edge Runner is probably going to be preferable to you. So. For sure. Yeah, I appreciated it, especially for equipment selection, as a decision paralysis inflicted dude. <laughs> like, yeah. First is that, and like especially in a, and in a game situation where it's like, Am mm-hmm. I screwing this up? Should I be like, because as a net runner, like you get armor and you get a very heavy pistol, right? And I mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily have guessed I would have, I wouldn't have guessed I would like suppose, I wouldn't presume I would necessarily have had any of those things. Mm-hmm. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Like yeah. I would just be mostly like, well, I need a bunch of gear and some other stuff maybe. Right. So it's all very yeah, helpful. So- so having these these charts that are like here's what your role should use uh, of the gear that's listed is yeah is absolutely really helpful when it comes to you know especially like your first time figuring out um, what your character should have have on their person for creating a character um, and then the the cyberware is sort of uh, laid out in the same fashion where they there are a couple of different types of cyberware. There is actually, let me see if I can get this good like list of all of the different types. Yeah, you're so gonna there's... skip over the fashion tables. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, the what? The fashion tables. Oh, fashion. Yeah, sorry, I didn't fa- talk about fashion. I I skipped ahead. Um, but yeah, so fashion uh, again, the like style over substance, very key to your your character here and who you are, and just like this sense of. Um, like the cyberpunk feel, right? So there are, what, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, that makes sense. There are ten different uh, styles here. Um, the bag lady chic, the gang colors, uh, generic chic, uh, bohemian, leisure wear, nomad leathers, Asia pop, urban flash, business wear, and high fashion. Um so there's a little bit of like a small description of what each of those means. It, it's not super granular, surprisingly, um, for the the rule system here, but it just gives you like a sh- small idea of what each of those means, right? So bag lady, for example, is you, you look homeless, ragged, look like a vagrant um, versus like bohemian where you're uh, like folky, retro, free-spirited, kind of hippy-dippy bohemian look right like i think when you say the word bohemian you you kind of get the sense of um what that means right uh just by that that word like yeah Yeah. it's the vibe the images that kind of get evoked from that word yeah for sure for sure uh anyway sorry no no there are fashion tables i'm fascinated (laughs) yes um and uh again this is kind of more keyed to the um complete package where you're able to sort of buy your own stuff but the uh edge runner and the street rats both get sort of a list for their role of what type of um like clothing and outfit stuff you get 
versus the complete package who's still uh, buying stuff. And there are like prices lifted, listed for everything. So bottoms, tops, jackets, footwear, jewelry, mirror shades, glasses, contact lenses, hats, etc. Um, they have uh, unique prices for each unique um, item within the, uh, the type of fashion. Word. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then we can move on to cyberware here, which again are kind of put together in like a similar way where they break down all the different types of cyberware. There's fashionware, which is like stuff that's just for fashion. Neuralware is kind of uh, installed or augmenting your your body as it is. Um, cyber optics, uh, you get like eyes. Cyber audio is affecting your ears. And then like internal cyberware that's again like implanted in your body um, with your organs or muscles and stuff like that. Um, external cyberware, which is on like your limbs, uh, other, or no, sorry, I guess cyber limbs is something. Um, it's installed on your body to so, like over your skin and stuff like that. Um, and then Borgware, uh, sorry, cyber limbs, which replaces your limbs, arms, legs, uh, hands, etc. cetera. Uh, and then Borgware, um, is like it, this replaces a majority of your your body. Um, Hell yeah! And you will be assimilated. <laughs> yes, and uh, then each each type has like a table with all these different um, options for different types of you know neuralware or cyber optics, etc. Um, so stuff that is all very uh, true to the cyberpunk genre. Like you can get you know a cyber with your eyes, you can have a recording device in there. Um, you can get like a, you know, color shifting eyes. Um, you can also, like with your neural wear, you have the ability to like jack into uh, cyber tech and um, computers and other stuff like that. Um, and those plugs that you can, that you get in the neural wear can be enhanced by other things like, you know, monitoring or, you know, uh, overriding how much pain you, you're in and, and stuff like that. Um, it, it, it goes into a lot of detail and there are a ton of options. Um, but the sort of the main thing that I wanted to talk about with all of these is that in these charts, there is at the, like at the far right side of the chart, uh, is the humanity loss. So each time you, uh, put cyberware onto your body, to replace something that's existing or augment something that is existing, there's a potential humanity loss cost um which again circles back to talking about our core stats uh and the humanity that comes from your empathy so the sort of the ideas or the themes that are kind of being played around with here is again this um transhumanism like where is the line between humanity and machine um, and how does viewing your body as a thing where bits can be replaced or added onto affect your humanity? Um, so basically what happens is, you know, if you're, if you just decide to replace both of your legs with cyber legs, then you kind of see your body as a thing, uh, and that affects your humanity. So you lose some humanity by doing that to yourself. Now, it's really fascinating, though, and really uh, awesome, I think, personally, that 
if you lose a limb and you're just like replacing that lost limb or a lost eye or something like that with cyberware, then that does not cause humanity loss. Because in effect, you are trying to make yourself whole again rather than just replacing existing parts with robotic parts. Um, I also noticed that, and I thought that was neat. Yeah, too, it's, it's that awesome. There's kind of there's nuance to it. Yeah, like it's not just like oh yeah. There's nuance to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jeez. absolutely, and and that'll like the the idea of the the humanity loss and uh, losing empathy. We'll touch on that probably next episode when we get into like you know the just sort of the mechanics around. Um, traumatizing events and um you know humanity loss and going to therapy and all of that because those those are core elements or core mechanics to the games as well um that we don't really definitely don't have enough time to get into the the depth of all of that right now but like your your mental health is important to your character just as much as it is to like you as a person right which is not really something that you see in any game really i mean I, I can't think of any other game where there's there's mechanics like this and to me it's something that's really really unique and really awesome um to just kind of see this like aspect of mental health sort of being uh important to to take care of as a player for your character um because in you know in like D D, like you can go in and you know slaughter everybody you know just kind of be a murder hobo and it's not going to affect your character in in any mechanical way um but here there is uh, it, all of those types of events and, and actions are very tied to your your stats and and how that impacts uh, your character here um, for sure and again the, Although... the cyberware is a part of that yeah there's stuff like the sanity mechanics and like Call of Cthulhu and stuff, but that's kind of true. That's a true. different thing. That's not so yeah. much like in Call of Cthulhu, which I haven't played a ton of. But my understanding is, well, you'll either die or go insane eventually, right? <laughs> right. There isn't so much. There isn't so much of a mental health maintenance aspect, right? Which, again, if we're tying things back to. Um, reflections on cyberpunk fiction like i think mm -hmm. it's kind of a fascinating concept because if the idea is that you're kind of you're kind of one of like you're not you're not up there right you're down here mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and there's all this stuff going on and you're having to do some pretty messed up stuff to get by even if you're not like you know Full, even if you're not like augmenting yourself with a bunch of cyberware or anything like that it's still kind of it's like a real grind and if the goal is mm -hmm. like to survive as well within that like there's no like mental health management is like obviously part of that yeah so yeah i think that was a very interesting little twist in terms of like the broader metafictional like um reflections of the system as it were yeah um, yeah the like genre it's emulating absolutely and I, I think that like this is kind of a good place to to kind of wrap up our discussion actually because it does sort of tie back into just sort of talking about uh cyberpunk as a genre and how how the mechanics of the game are really influenced by the genre itself 
um, which is is really fascinating. I mean, I think like every single part of the book and every everything we've talked about today, we've kind of ended up going back to like, oh, and, and again, like we're seeing the core of this genre here and how it, it is built into this aspect of the game, you know, as we're going through it, right? So that, that, that's one of the reasons that I really love this game so much as a tabletop RPG is that uh, just everything is so interwoven into the genre itself and the genre that I'm already a big fan of uh, prior to discovering the tabletop uh, role-playing game. Um, that, it, you know, it's all just... All of those aspects of the genre are displayed in the mechanics of the game, um, which is, is really awesome to see. Definitely. And it has a very sprawling, like, it has a very sprawling um, encompassment of all of the genres, like, aspects, too. Mm-hmm. And kind of, like, folds them in very nicely. And also, maybe this is probably something for next week, but I can imagine as well that, like, the actual gameplay, especially in, like, combat situations, is, is like, quick. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very much, like, it's it's fast and dirty and bullets hurt <laughs> like yeah it's uh it's interesting because all things can go like there's kind of a dichotomy here because combat happens you know really fast everything's really quick um you know a, a turn we'll, we'll get into it more next time but a turn lasts three seconds instead of six seconds so there's like this microcosm of the events right but as a whole the system is kind of built to be a much slower paced game than D&D because like healing takes time you're supposed to be doing different stuff every week rather than just going on missions like it sort of bakes the downtime into the 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 game itself um which is pretty interesting and, and we can get more into uh next week but um yeah I, I kind of forgot where I was going with that sorry for sure. Life is boring, except when it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess you know we have a lot still to talk about. We can that we can dive into in the next uh, episode. But any, anything from you, Rob, that you want to call a special attention to before we uh, we sign off here today? Um. Again, I kind of want to restate, I guess, my uh, broader thesis of what I understand of this game so far, which is it's rules heavy, but there's just a lot of them. They're very simple. They're simple and they're easy to understand and have and like once you get a grip on them, they're easy to explain and have explained to you, I guess. It's not like... Again, if we're doing the like comparative analysis thing, it's certainly not like D and D second edition, and it's even not so much like D and D fifth edition, where there's a few like different things going on in terms of like how stuff works. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. everything is everything is kind of um, unified around the stat plus skill plus d10 mechanic in a way that's very aesthetically pleasing and kind of makes everything else make sense yeah yeah absolutely um i mean i i've been nerding nerding out this whole time here this whole hour and a half or 
plus that we've been recording about all of this. So uh, <laughs> I won't gush too much more, but I, I'm right there with you where like it's there's there's a lot to take in, but it all follows the same sort of rule set and it's not complex it's just deep and and wide like there's a, a lot of it there but it also goes pretty deep as well um, but it all sort of fits together in this fairly simple to grasp system um, which i i really appreciate and and again the system has all of the uh aspects of the genre sort of baked into it in a lot of different ways um that are, are really great and a lot of fun. So like my, my parting advice to everyone at the end of this episode is just go buy this book. It's, it's such a good system. Go play it. It's great. <laughs> All um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll also, talk more about it next week. For sure. It also helps that like all the skills and stats like are pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, absolutely. That's also good too. Yeah. There's not like, you can tell what it is just by looking. That's cool. <laughs> yes. You can tell what it is by the way that it is. Yes. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> You're freaking uh, me out right here, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah. All right. Well, that's been uh, an initial look at Cyberpunk Red. We got through about, uh, well, most of the character creation stuff. We'll talk in a little bit more depth next week about how the game sort of works together and some different aspects of like playing the game um and how different things impact you as you go along there and, and impact the the gm as well um but yeah hope you've enjoyed uh listening to this so far if you have uh leave some comments leave a rating or a review um you know tell your friends about us share our show with them as well um, if you want to get in touch with us you can reach out to us on twitter we are at 19 hits the dragon um, you can also send us an email if you prefer that. We are just 19 hits the dragon at gmail.com. Um, huge shout outs as always to our editor, my fiance, Hannah Miller. Um, she mixes and edits these, uh, episodes together and somehow manages to make sense of my and, uh, Rob's rambling. So huge shout out to her. Yes. Tremendous shout out. Also shout out to Paul Mackey for composing our theme song. Uh, yeah. yeah, it rocks. It rocks. <laughs> so thank you, Paul. Yeah, very, very happy with it. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. All right, all right. Uh, and remember to like, comment, and subscribe and tell your friends. <laughs> all right, for sure. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Peace.